welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we've got Dave Hilda Pryor, Ricky Hyatt, Tom Bailey. And Steve Russell. Get yourself comfortable, have a nice cup of tea, and let's have a little bit of football banter. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football oh, Bloody, Bloody Hell. Hell. Oh, we were in stereo there. Yeah, we were in stereo. You were like wham. <laughs> another topical reference there here on Football Bloody Hell. Um, who shall I start with? Uh, I will start with Tom Bailey. Tom Bailey's in the chair tonight. How are you doing, Tom? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Very well, thank you. Always a pleasure to be here on the pod. And I'm delighted to say twice in a week, it's Mr. Steve Rutter joining us. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, mate. Very good. Excellent. And also completing the set tonight, we have Mr. Ricky Hyatt. How are you doing, Rick? I'm lovely, thank you. Of course you're lovely. You don't need to tell us that. Get the top billing know. this time. I was bottom of the bill on monday got top billing tonight thank you very much yeah what goes around comes around mate see you've got to you've got to rotate you've got to share it round yeah share the love well first up this evening we're gonna preview uh yeovil town steve rutter i don't think that you've been on one of our wednesday pods before so the the remit basically is the same old uh, rubbish that we normally talk about. However, I put you to the test because we uh, do put our uh, predictions on the line for what happens at the weekend. So what I normally say to the listeners is when you listen to this one back, always listen to it twice. Because once you listen to it after the results have happened, you realize how terrible that we we all are. So it'll be interesting to see how you do this evening. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'll stick with you then, Steve, because Yeovil were playing Worthing at the weekend worthing are a team that have been evolving uh, over the last few years and they've got a little bit of backing behind them they find themselves in fifth place in the table at the moment an opportunity for yeovil to obviously continue their good form though uh, they are top of the table 11 games played and they've won their last four in a row so if they win this one steve they'll be winning against a team that's going to be you would imagine in and around the playoffs so it could be a statement win this weekend yeah, I mean, I've been I've been travelling a bit, so I've really not seen too much of it. Um, but I have noticed, obviously, Yeovil have picked up and have gone on a run, got themselves to the top of the table. Um, and you you would like to think, wouldn't you, that Yeovil will be a match for anybody in this league, whether it's it's Worthing or or Torquay or you know whoever turns up. So I think most days you'd put your money on Yeovil to win. Um, but you know, if you if you want a prediction. Uh, then it's really pie in the sky. I'll, I'll just go for 2-0 Yeovil. 
Well, we'll keep it simple. See, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Um, Tom Bailey, um, you've obviously been following Yeovil a lot this season, as um, most of us have done. And we don't want to talk about it too much, but it has to be said that Yeovil, of course, play Worthing on a pitch that they're not quite happy with playing on so far this season. Um, are you worried of that aspect at all? Um, I think a little bit. Uh, Worthing are a good team as well. So I'm kind of hoping that the, the kind of stop-start form they've been in will be enough for us to get over the line. Obviously, the new signing as well, uh, Sonny Cox coming in, will be able to... Um, he, I believe he's able to play on... Um, on those magic pitches so that's another option at least up front so obviously we we lose Hyde and uh and Murphy no Murphy can play uh either way we've got another option which is great um I think the momentum that Cooper and uh, the whole team have managed to generate should be enough for us to get over the line and make it eight wins in a row which is nuts that I can even say that so um yeah it'll be a good game I think because Worthing play good football as well. They're very, uh, I think they're one of, like an affiliate with Brighton. They are quite close by. So um, I think even their manager came from the Brighton system. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, I think. As Tom touches on, Rick, Worthing are a team that are in and around it and have built up a lot of momentum over the last couple of years. But looking at the form table, it is one win and five for them in the league. So maybe... Maybe a good time to go there if there is ever a good time. I think it's a, a good time for Yeovil would be playing anyone at the moment. The way that in that certainly in that division, the way they're playing, it's so funny how the fixtures have worked out. That each week seem to be picking up somebody else who is in the uh, top five or six of the six of the table, and then a national league team, and then someone else who's five or six, and then a national league team in the cup or whatever. So they're good. It's a bit all being a, a good test for Yeovil at the moment. So it's not like they're in a false. A false position, so hopefully the run run continues. A friend of mine lives in Worthing, Dr. Josh. He might be there. Oh. Do you do you talk mm. regularly? <laughs> Very regularly. He's he's the one who told me to go and get me uh heart checked out earlier in the year. So he's a lovely man. We owe him a lot. The listeners owe him a lot, Rick. More to the point. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um I will take your prediction though before i go back to tom for his for the weekend if you are prepared to put your neck on the line uh two one to the green army tom bailey i think i'm gonna go three two yeovil three, two yeovil goals Absolute... goals goals yeah goals 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 it, absolutely and i'm gonna be in the away end this weekend as well i've got a pass or I say a pass, a ticket. You're coming and a as pass, well. You could say, yeah, I'm going to be in the away end. So uh, a, a friend of mine lives up in Worthing. So uh, if um, the commentary team breaks down for whatever reason, then I might be able to get picked out of the crowd, but I'll probably have a beer or two, I would expect. <laughs> We've got some teamwork. It's, um, it's not yourself, is it? It's, it's Gavin Sy this weekend, am I right in saying? Yeah. So we go. We've got three mains as a, as a backup. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So don't forget to join us um, on Saturday afternoon for that one on Three Valleys Radio. So 
Before we go into the preview of the Premier League, I do want to touch on the fact that England won their crunch qualifier against Italy last night, qualifying for the Euros pretty comfortably again. Um, it has to be said, I think since Steve McLaren lost his job, I think England have only lost two qualifiers since 2008, which pre- pretty incredible, really. Uh, Steve, did you see it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, decent performance. Uh, we've clearly got some players like Bellingham, Foden, Kane, who are at the very, very top level. Um, but I have to say, being an advocate of Italian football, it's the worst Italy side I've seen for 25 years. So I think the the result, the second and third goal, terrific. But I think we really need to keep it in perspective. And, and when like Harry Kane was interviewed afterwards and said, you know, we've got to go out and beat the best teams in the world consistently. Well, at this moment in time, Italy would be there purely and simply by history, not by current ability, because they are well below top level. And on top of that as well, um, Tom, there seems to be a, a betting scandal that just seems to be surrounding the team again uh, at the moment, not the first time. And we've already seen players have to to pull out. We've probably seen the, the stories about Tonali as well, about his own issues that he's got going on at the moment, that it just seems to be all going against him at the moment on and off the pitch. Yeah, um, I'm very interested to see the ban that uh, Tonali receives um, it looks like he will receive one. Uh, but, I mean, considering Ivan Tony had a gambling addiction and uh, was vilified, and uh, when Sandro Tonali comes out and is, oh, poor Sandro. Oh, we, well, I hope he gets the help he needs, whereas Ivan Tony was, you can't be doing that. That's that's a joke. It's double standards are on the show once again. Um, I've seen that Fagioli as well has already been banned for seven months because I think he's just admitted, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I did all this. I just gave everything over. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I wonder as well how this affects Newcastle's season, considering they won't have their 55, 60 million pound midfielder to rely on anymore. They'll have to play Sean Longstaff or something instead. So maybe that means that they miss out on Champions League football for next year. And then does that mean that Bruno goes somewhere else or that Isaac goes somewhere? You don't know. This could be massive for not only Italy even qualifying for the tournament, but for Newcastle in their season as well. Um, yeah, Italy, I didn't watch it, but I hear they're off the pace again. Um, they're now below Ukraine as well, but they've got a game in hand. They still have to play Ukraine. So it's going to go down to the wire. I think they do have a little bit of a cushion though, don't they, in terms of the fact that they're already in the last four of the Nations League. So I think that gives them an avenue to qualify, even if they don't make it out of the the group in second place i think so i'm not i'm not that up to date with it um but to be honest with you tom no one's really up to date with the nation no one really cares yeah <laughs> no one cares <laughs> um i'm just looking at the table yeah they've got they've got 10 points with a game in hand uh on ukraine so yeah italy on 10 ukraine on 13 and they're yet to play each other and their other fixture is against macedonia which could be wonderful to see history repeat itself in terms of the Tenali situation, Rick, I mean, there's so much research and there's so many analysts uh, about at the moment. I mean, 
could we could we say that AC Milan knew that the position that they were in when they accepted the bid from from Newcastle? Newcastle would have would have known even then possibly that something might have been going on, or is it not not as simple as that? Possibly, you little tin hat for wearing conspiracy <laughs> theorists, you. It's a thought, though, isn't it? it hey, I'm just here that's to awesome. I'm just here to ask the hard hitting questions, my friend. Hey, I tell you what, yeah, um, Italy are funny at the moment, aren't they? Because they they either don't qualify for a tournament, or if they do qualify for it, they win it. So it's a bit bizarre. So uh, yeah, so that that they keep that that run going. I just the thing that is disappointing about the whole. Um, betting scandal and the way it's been treated and Tom was right saying that um, Tonali's just getting an arm around his shoulder and all he's got let's look after his mental health is uh, with Tony being sort of battered for it I just hope again that it's not a racial element in that at all I mean whether you that's looking into it too too deeply and looking for something that isn't necessarily there but it's just the you'd, you'd want there to be a level playing field as far as punishing people for these these things go and any anything that hampers Newcastle's season is fine by me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to get too much disagreement from us on no. that one, but um, it will be interesting to see what, what the outcome of is, is, is that because I think we've discussed on here as well, there's Toffolo as well, wasn't there, at Nottingham Forest yeah. that didn't really yeah. seem to get anything at all by, by comparison. Yeah, yeah similar <laughs> sort of time. Yeah, yes. I think I think a lot of the stuff though it depends not only on the on the amount but on the magnitude and the type of bets that have been placed. So where some are really like frivolous and, and very distant and very small monetary value, um, and that was the case with the um, Toffolo, I think, um, you know, like ten p bets on stuff and, and things like that. So it's, it's difficult for us to judge, isn't it, without being inside the, the process of looking at it. Um, I know the the boy in Italy from Juventus has already been banned for twelve months, five months of which has been suspended. So he's got now got a seven month playing ban going forward. I think Tonali and Zaniolo, the boy from Villa, is the other one who's who's implicated as well. And I think they've both gone back to Italy, um, and it'll be up to them to I think to decide what they do because the betting infringements occurred in Italy. So I think it'll be down to the FIGC to determine what. There was talk as well, Steve, that Zaniolo had actually been recalled by Galatasaray um, whilst on loan at Villa. I don't know if that's true or not. Like you say, there's a lot of, obviously, rumours going yeah, round yeah. with all the Italians at the moment. So, so I don't know. So whether or not the FIGC rather than the FA are responsible for investigating because the offences occurred whilst he was playing in Italy, which could well be the case. Um, and with all due respect, corruption in European football, the Mediterranean, the Balkans is pretty commonplace. So they don't regard it with quite the same severity that we do, or don't seem to. I think that's a fair comment. I don't know if you've seen Tom as well, but there's also the situation with Barcelona at the moment with with alleged, um, how can we put it, um, not very um, above board um, play in regards to the referees and sort of paying off of the referees allegedly for for a lot of the games that they've been involved in so it does seem to be quite a lot of stuff going going on uh, on the continent at the moment i think the worrying thing about even just little things why well, i say little things it's still a big deal but the fact that tonali and the zania well all these cases coming out and with obviously the barcelona stuff as well it causes you to lose faith in any decision that's made in any footballing sense 
like the 2030 World Cup, that just screams of of underhanded dealings. Um, same for like leading up to 2034 World Cup as well, where obviously Saudi Arabia wanting to host that. So it makes you, and even like we've seen with Qatar already, and I think, I don't know if Russia was entirely fair or not. I That's a genuine, I don't know that, but the Qatar one, it's obviously all come out. So they aren't learning. So do we just accept it at this point? Do we have to start football again? How far does it go before things go wrong? I've just seen that um, the Barcelona president's been charged with um, with bribery. Um, I don't know what his punishment is. I've literally just seen the headline, but he's been charged. So we'll, um, I suppose we'll find out in the coming days and weeks, but um, it makes you wonder how deep things really go. That, um, that Barcelona thing is clearly a load of old nonsense, though. Because at the time, they were managed by Pep, who, let's not forget, is the best manager in the world ever. I was wondering where that was the going. Rules ever. So it's, it's bound to be fiction. Go on. Do we know if, do, I was going to ask if we know if 115 Spanish referees have been tapped up <laughs> in this allegation. Do we know that? <laughs> Potentially. Seems it seems like a familiar number for Pet. <laughs> well, then, with it being the Wednesday pod, um, it's time to get into the fun part, lads, because the Premier League is back. So, uh, time for everybody get to get egg on their face with the uh, usual round of predictions and nonsense that we've got to fill the rest of the podcast. So, uh, Steve Russell, I'm going to throw you under the bus first and start yeah. with you. Cheers. Um, it's the Merseyside derby that kicks everything back off at 12.30 after an international break, which will delight Jurgen Klopp. Um, how do you see that one going uh, at Anfield or to kickstart the weekend? Um, I've been a couple of times and they're never particularly entertaining games, to be honest. So I think, I know it's at Anfield, so um, I would expect Liverpool to win, but I'd expect it to be pretty dour. Um, and they might break away in the last 15, 20 minutes and score a couple. So I'd expect Liverpool to win it, but um, Sean Dyche's sides will be dogged. They'll they'll make it physical. Um, it won't be. Wouldn't think they'll try and play any pretty football, and they'll just try and stay in the game as long as possible. But I, I think Liverpool have got enough quality to come through. To be honest, so yeah, I think Liverpool will nick it towards the end, last 15 minutes or so. What have you made of uh, Sean Dyche's Everton so far this season? Because it's been a little bit stale with the odd good result thrown in there it's been a bit of a strange one so far this season yeah i mean it's a massive task to to move them from where they are to where he wants them to be you know and he's, he's not harry potter he can't just wave a wand and, and you know produce 11 world-class players so he's he's not only trying to you know overcome a limited squad he's also trying to overcome a mentality and a mindset within the club where they're used to getting beat and, and they're used to throwing the towel in um, you know that's the one thing that he would never do, but it will take him probably three transfer windows to sort that out. If they give him three transfer windows, um, if they do, they'll have a brilliant manager and they'll have a decent team at the end of it. Tom Bailey, Liverpool, Everton. How do you see that one? Um, as we know throughout the season so far, I've been quite cautious about Liverpool. Um, I think this could be the one time it comes back to bite me, but. I'm going to go bullish. Um, I think Liverpool will steamroll Everton. Um, I want that to happen. I think that will happen. Um, I've got down a 4-0 for Liverpool. 
I just think the attack is purring now. Um, Everton still don't really look like they know what they're doing. Um, and so until Dyche gets any sort of rhythm in, I'm going for a, a big 4 0. I trust Rick Hyatt agrees. <laughs> just just a question about uh, Tom's prediction for 4 0. Will they all be Salah penalties? Or is he going to Tom, you're going to take that one? Because <laughs> obviously you'll get one. It's the law. I can't believe I've been thrown under the bus like this. You're not going to dignify that with a response? No, you don't deserve it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Everton are frustrating, aren't they? Because you'd think that they're going to pull themselves out of this. They've done it before. When they, it was at Villa they beat, wasn't it? And then lose the next game and... Uh, yeah, they so won. they won. They won at they won at Villa in the cup, and then they they had a big home win against Bournemouth. I think yeah. they're the only two wins. And I think yeah, in yeah, between yeah. that, they lost to Luton. That's just what I mean. You think yeah. that they are pulling themselves round out of it, and then they'll lose a silly one. And and if you know, obviously they're going to be uh, at least Phil Neville can't get sent off in this one. That'll make a nice a nice change for a Merseyside derby. Um, it's one of those from my point of view. It's head ruling heart and it's like my fantasy team I can't have Liverpool players in it during these predictions I'm not sure that I can justify predicting Liverpool to to win so it'll probably be a one all draw at which point I will be immediately texting Tom Bailey and laughing my pants <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh that's all right then I won't get the message that's fine <laughs> I'll take that I'll be you'll, be on your way to, you'll be on your way to Worthing so will I <laughs> Oh yeah, fair enough. Okay, ruin my day. Group. Thanks. We'll form a group chat, <laughs> but only only yeah. if the result goes the way I want it to, which is obviously the way that you two don't want it to. That's fair. Steve, twelve thirty kickoffs. What what do you make of them? Have you been involved with them? Because it feels like it's only really been in the last few years or so yeah. that stuff like this really kind of comes to the forefront of managers opinions and then you hear about how how much of a knock-on effect it has because you eat at different times and all those yeah. sorts of things does Jürgen have a point even if he does happen to just shout louder than possibly the rest Listen, every manager I know complains about it mm. because the schedule is dictated by television sponsorship and revenue generation it's not um led by what's best for the competition, what's best for the players. Um, and you are, you know, you, you're putting plasters over broken legs, really trying to do what they're doing. It, 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 for me, it degrades the whole quality. You get you get sides getting 72 hours rest between games, another side's getting four days rest. You're kicking off at 12.30, you're kicking off at 8 o'clock at night, you're kicking off 5 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, go back to the glory days of a 3 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. Um and the problem is, of course, the television companies don't want that because they can't show three or four games back to back on Saturday and three or four on Sunday. And that's how they generate their revenue. So I think all the managers will complain about it. They've all got legitimate complaints. The problem with it, I think, is that they tend to complain only when it suits them and not as a, you know, if they stuck together as like a cartel and all of them complained all the time, they might get some slight redress on it. But it is a shambles, and as a coach trying to prepare your players, it's it's so debilitating. It really is. When when Sky first started doing them, didn't they used to be eleven thirties on a Saturday as well, oh, rather than the twelve thirty they are now? I seem to remember going up to 
Old Trafford. Yeah. And, um, I think it might have even been 11 uh, o'clock because I think it was referenced in the David Beckham documentary, if you've, yeah. if you've seen yeah, that at those, all, that the, the, um, Man United-Liverpool was 11 yeah. o'clock. Well, we played a Champions League game. We kicked off at 9.45 at night, which was 7.45 in the UK yeah. because all the times were scheduled to um, you know, Western European times. And we kicked off in Athens at 9.45 at night. And you're, getting, you're finishing the game, you know, getting out the changing rooms at one o'clock in the morning. But it's all to do with the sponsorship and the revenue generation and the TV coverage. And for managers, it's a nightmare. It really is because you're changing the, the, the training regimes. You train at the the time of the kickoff. You train the day before kickoff time. You try and get some sort of, you know, patterning in. You, how do you get your players to go and get the proper rest? Do you get the proper recovery time? What do they eat before the game? If you're kicking off that early, when do they eat? You know, it's it must have a knock-on effect, Steve. So when for when everyone sees the families as well, if you have to like schedule your sleeping pattern and everything differently. Well, it does. It, it, it affects everything. Now, listen. At the top end, they're professional athletes, so incredibly well paid for what they do, and you have to make sacrifices in order to get to those levels and stay at those levels. But the reality is that you know, and I saw an article in the papers today about EFL players complaining about added game time which again is something to, I think, to appease the TV companies because the ball's not in play long enough and, you know, FIFA are going along with this thing about let's give people more value for money. The players are saying, look, you're just going to lead to more injuries. You're cramming more and more games in with more and more unsociable kickoff times and each game's getting longer and longer. So ultimately, it's it's very disruptive. It will always favour the big teams. All these changes favour the big teams because what they do, they just go buy more players so they can rotate them around more. And all the smaller clubs suffer because you can't make the adjustments that you need to make. Rick, I'm going to throw it over to you because next on the billing is the Gary O'Neill derby, which is Bournemouth Wall. But um, Iriola, he needs a win. And if he wasn't to get it in this one, and it was actually Gary O'Neill that stuck the boot in, and there's um, quite a lot surrounding this game. Oh, you couldn't write it, could you? But Bournemouth stuck the knack out and made similar to the um, Birmingham appointing Wayne Rooney. I think that they, the manager that they wanted, became available, so that regardless of how successful or how how well the man in possession was doing, they had to make a make way for them. So yeah, be interesting. Gary O'Neill is really one of those. He's going to be. Uh, is he regarded as underrated or the fact that everyone goes on about what a great job he's done, does that make him rated? I don't know, but he, did, he certainly did a really good job at Bournemouth last One season. thing I will throw in, Rick, I think he's an underrated moaner. I don't think it's mentioned enough about how much he loves a moan, but he's Gary oh, he O'Neill when he gets away with it. He loves a moan. But he will always, always have a special place in my heart because of where, when he took Bournemouth to uh, Newcastle last season and refused oh, yeah. to shake Tyndall's hand until of course, yeah. he had shook Eddie Howe's. And anyone that can uh, annoy the Love Island competitor that is Jason Tyndall is, is, is fine by me. So uh, I think going, you know, I mean, he's actually done a good job. I mean, the way he set the side up, set Wolves up to play against United and really should have won that game. And then the way that they did against, against the Saudis and did win that game. So, you know, you... you He's doing, he's doing something right somewhere along the line, but he just does seem like he's a little bit of an unpleasant individual. He needs to have a PR team behind him a little bit, but uh, but Wolves uh, will will win that one one nil. 
Tom Bailey, thoughts? I initially had a Bournemouth win, but I thought about it again and I've I've gone for a draw. It's boring. I've gone for a one or draw. I think Wolves could take the lead and Bournemouth rescue it late on. I didn't think um, Adrian was on this week. Every game's a bloody draw when he's on. Have you you've taken that mantle? I've started us with a four 0 I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Um <laughs> uh yeah, I think Bournemouth are in a really weird spot where they've They've had horrible fixtures, but I still somehow feel like they should have got something from at least one of them. And yet they've only come out with like three points, which, just, uh, yeah, it's again, it's tricky. Um, and it's... have they all been drawn so far? They haven't won yet. Yeah, they've not won again. The only game they've won is in the Carabao Cup against, well, whoever they played, Stoke, I think. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're... what I do as well, I've got like a prediction table. And I've give I've predicted them for two wins so far, and they've let me down. So, and I've not actually. You are said... the you are the Mark Lawrence in the three valleys <laughs> ring. <here. laughs> yes, it's sad, but we've done it. We've got um, Wolves currently. I've not said we're going to win a single game, so I don't see them winning it. I do think a draw will be about right. How do you see it, Steve? It's a big it's a big game for for the home side in particular. Yeah, it is. And I remember having the conversation when they sat Gary O'Neill and we said that what Iriola did at um, Cano wasn't as good an achievement as what Gary O'Neill had done at Bournemouth. Yeah. So we couldn't really understand the logic behind sacking him. Um, and I keep hearing that Bournemouth play wonderful football and lovely football, um, but they just don't win games. So I think... Wolves, bearing in mind they've got financial constraints, I think he's done a terrific job there so far. He will be desperate to get a win at Bournemouth. Absolutely desperate to get a win at Bournemouth. Um, but I agree. I think it'll end with Tom. I think it'll end up being a draw. Um, and, and I think probably a pretty scrappy affair because Bournemouth have shipped in 10 goals in their last three games. I don't think they've scored out there. Maybe they scored one. But they've shipped in 10 goals in their last three league games. And, and what happens when you get on a run like that is the confidence starts to disappear really quickly. So if if they don't score early and you know get ahead in the game very quickly to build some confidence, it, it won't. They'll be quite fragile. And I think Wolves, are, a bit like Everton, will just be dogged, hard working. They'll reflect Gary. They'll be, you know, he was a tough little midfield player. They'll be the same. They'll be scrappy. They'll be they'll be going after it. And uh, I can see them getting a result out of it. But I, I think a draw would probably be about the right result. We always call one every week, Steve, but does this have the stench of last of on match of the day written all over it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good way of summing up. Say, I think, like you said, the only thing that might be of interest in is, is it might be one of those, you know, situations where Iraola is, you know, his future is basically dependent on a result against Gary O'Neill. Um, because how long will they wait before they win a game? Um, and get and actually get three points on the board. If they don't do it now against Wolves at home, having just got battered at Everton, um, then I think you know it could be in real trouble. Just to follow on from Rick's point, Steve, have you ever met Jason Tyndall? No, I haven't. He is beautifully coiffured, though, isn't he? Beautifully coiffured. Excellent, um, very nice. I'm just jealous. Hockey. Yeah, it's tanned. Yeah, I'm just jealous. Um, I but just no, wondered I mean, if you had any inside scoop and what a lot of the social media um, <laughs> um, Ferrari around him, for want of a better term, is true or not, or were completely uh, fabricated. Well, I, I, I don't read, I don't look at social media at all, to be perfectly honest with you. So 
it's it's like a foreign language to me. Um, and I just normally like judge people as a finder, if I'm honest. So, you know, he might be a prima donna. He might be the nicest guy in the world. I have absolutely no idea. But he's clearly, take, Rick clearly taken to him. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> Along with Jürgen. Ah, Kloppo, the king of the replay. We love him. <laughs> king of the replay. <laughs> Come on, Emmerich. We'll stick with you because it's the Battle of the Bees this weekend as well. Three o'clock kickoff on Saturday is Brentford Burnley. It depends how many Brentford are ahead going into extra time at the end of the game because we know that they can't hold on to a 1-0 lead even as far as the 92nd minute because uh, they, they tend to throw those games away. So, um, but And will playing... then Burnley be celebrating like they've won the World Cup, Rick Hyatt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, appropriately, you mean? You shut your face. Um, I don't think... I think Brentford, although they're not the team that they were last season, I don't think that Burnley will have enough to. Is this uh, a game of two to turn them over? Disappoint a game of two disappointing teams at the moment. Two teams that have flattered to deceive, haven't they? They neither of them have lived up to the expectation that they had going into the season. I think they're just unfortunate in that the standard in the top sort of seven or eight teams in the league is is so far away from everybody else that. Um, it's difficult. I mean, have Brentford reached a, a ceiling on what they can they can achieve? Because they don't seem to be able to attract the signings. That, and Burmo's um, gone quiet, hasn't he, after a strong start he's to the gone, season? He's gone very quiet. And that was the main source of source of goals for them, him and um, Wissa. So they've both gone... Yeah, I, I think this one will be last on match of the day. And I think it will be a nil-nil draw. Ooh. I think that might actually be our first nil-nil prediction. Tom Bailey, do you think this might have drab draw elements written all over it? Uh, I don't think it'll be a drab draw, but I do think it'll be a draw. Um, I got it down for a 2-2, just because Burnley... Desmond. Burnley won't come away with a clean sheet. We know that. James Trafford isn't doing as well as we thought he would. Um, so I'm not think... a huge fan of Flecken either in the Brentford goal, to be quite honest, from what I've he's... seen so far. I think he's been very inconsistent. He reminds me a bit of Mignolet, where he'll either pull off an incredible save or he'll drop a clanger. Um, yeah, I think it could be a 2-2 because Mbomo, like you say, has gone quiet. That's probably my bad because I put him in my fantasy team. So I'll hold my hands off on that one. That's my bad. Um, yeah, I, I just... Neither of them can defend quite as well as we thought they could. Burnley, we expected goals anyway, so they're kind of that's where they're letting themselves down. Brentford are kind of the opposite. I expect them to be defensively solid, and then not. So I don't know. Um, I think a two-two wouldn't surprise me. Steve, I'll, we'll we'll break it down because Burnley is a Burnley's been a bit of a funny one so far because it seems as though that everyone's kind of just expecting them to explode into life anytime soon but it's not it's not really happening like that at the moment they've got a squad of championship players playing in the premier league why would we expect them to burst into life i mean they'll be in the bottom three or thereabouts at the end of the season and it's, it's as simple as that the players the players they've got are the players they can afford they vincent you know company gets them in because they can play in a style that he likes them to play in um but are they good enough at playing that style to go and play against the best teams in the Premier League? No, they're not. 
Um, so they will struggle, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get relegated. I would be very surprised if they finish outside the bottom six. So I think going to Brentford, uh, you know, I think Brentford on an average day would beat Burnley on a decent day. So I'll go for I'll go for Brentford to win two 0 What have you made of Brentford so far, Steve? They've come a little Didn't bit miss. unstuck recently, but then I guess yeah. you know they've still done you know exceptionally well to find themselves where they are. Yeah, they're hit, they're hit and miss at the minute. It's not all going for them. But like I say, I think if they have just an average day at the office, I think they're better than, than Burnley if Burnley play to their potential. Um, and they've got the experience of playing in the Premier League now for a number of years. They've got a manager that's used to getting results in the Premier League. Um, and they're at home. So, you know, I would fully expect them to win. I'll stick with you then, Steve, because... Next up on, on the three o'clock billing does look a tasty one between Manchester City and Brighton. Are, are you seeing goals, goals, goals? Or could you be seeing a situation where Brighton, as they turned up at Villa and got absolutely stonked? Bumbled, yeah. Yeah. Um, ooh, yeah, this is this is quite... I think it'll be a good game. I think as a neutral, as a spectator, it'll be a good game to watch because of the way they both want to try and play. Um, I would expect Man City to win. I think you'd expect Man City to win most games. It's hard play not to, be... to say that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Brighton are capable if they hit form. Brighton are capable of upsetting anybody. You know, as we've seen. So I don't think it would be a romp, but I don't know, probably two or three one to Man City. I think because they've just got so much quality in so many areas that it, it's very hard to see other sides living with them. Rick, if you were Sandro Tonali, who's your money on? Oh, having uh, just having predicted Man City to win their last league game four nil, and that worked. Obviously, it's it's going to be eight nil to to City, because then that that means that in reality Brighton will have a have a cakewalk. And it was interesting to see actually somebody did a breakdown of the the City squad, and Kevin Phillips is actually eighth choice central midfielder. Which is which is which is quite disappointing if you're him. And he still starts for England. He still starts for England, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, but then again, he doesn't have the burden of all those boos. So uh, he's not got a lot of competition. Or cheers, as they were yesterday. Oh, selective hearing, I think. Um, I thought it was quite interesting, Rick, weren't it? When you watch the the England game, when he comes off, and they say, "Oh, yeah, he's paying for his lack of game time." Phillips mm. and th- and then yeah. normally people say when they play for England they're so tired because of all the club football yeah. they play. So can you be fresh? It doesn't really matter. Be... There must be some sort of optimum amount of time that you have to play for your club that renders you perfect for international football. But I'm not quite sure what that is. Yeah, no. I mean, if you're you, if you don't know it, then what chance have we well, got? Well, maybe Peter knows it. it or Jurgen. Ah, oh, Jurgen knows. Tom Daly, stop looking at me like that. Every time you mention Jurgen Klopp, a, a funny look comes over his like, face. Oh no, what's he going to say he's now? He's so disapproving. Just <laughs> say something else. No, Rodri's back though, so that should make a difference to to, to Saudi. And I, th- I think that um, having predicted a nil-nil, I think this is the game that fills the the Hilda Pryor requisite. It's going to be goals, goals, goals in this one. I think somebody will come out. On the right right end of uh, a five goal thriller, and hopefully, having been stitched up by the officials in in Brighton's last game, I can't remember who that was against, but they uh, they fought back manfully and got a well deserved three or 
equaliser. I, I think that they they're going to come up two on all. the wrong end again. Two all was it? It was two all, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so I think that I think they'll score two again this week, but it won't be enough. I think the Saudis will probably get it three um, two. How do you see it, Tom? Because it does. I kind of kind of see it as Brighton in particular this season. We've seen so far that the results between all the teams have been so up and down that you can't really uh, predict it, which is ideal for a preview show like we're doing at the moment. But Brighton do have that that kind of um, element to them where you think that they could win big or easily lose big when they go away from home. I think I might have slightly lost my mind a bit when I've put this down. Um, going off the fact that Brighton's last game was... Oh, it was the 2 all. But, I mean, the last away game was the 6-1 against Villa. Mm. They'll obviously want to do better than that. I mean, everyone would. Um, a City coming in off the back of two back... So they'll take defeats. a 4-0 defeat, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I've put down for City 1, Brighton 2. And I think I'm going off my rockers because City never lose three o'clock and they never lose at home ever in like a bajillion years ever. But I don't know. I just feel like Brighton will turn up, get two quickly, sit back, do well. City will maybe get one, but it won't be enough. I don't know why. I've just got that weird feeling. I can't wait to be wrong when City wins 6-0. But um, this is fully off just vibes. I don't really have any fancy analysis because I care literally nothing about City at all and Brighton are exciting Well Rick, you said it was Saudi against Brighton, so what's Newcastle against Palace then? Oh, it's not, that was Abu Dhabi, wasn't it? Uh, it this, is, this is Saudi against the Ah, wise. yes, of course <laughs> Saudi are, are against the wise old owl Why? <laughs> and I, I, yeah. Can they keep it tight, Roy's boys? I think they don't know any other way, do they? They're not going to play an expansive game by any stretch of the imagination. They haven't got the personnel or the or the mindset to do that. So it's going to stay tight as as long as possible. Um, yeah, difficult. Uh, yeah, you, I think Palace uh, will get a draw out of this one. What the score will be, I don't know. But it's it's not going to be your goals, goals, goals. Not with the uh, because Palace, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that'll be a one-all draw, personally. Rick has somehow said so much. And then... oh, go, on, go on, Tom. Sorry. Sorry it's just... go on. Rick has... It's gone the... Yeah, I think Palace will sit tight and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, one-all. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> so made so much and got one-all. <laughs> I know. Go around the house and got, like, the dullest score ever. <laughs> they can't all be last on Match of the Day. <laughs> It's not going to start till five minutes before the end and just show like, like it used to, just the goals from games with no analysis. But uh, yeah, just Jason Tindall will be a pillock. Apart from that, that's all I know will happen. Hard-hitting predictions here on Free Valley's radio. Yeah. Um, Steve, what I was going to ask is that do Palace seem perfectly set up with their personnel to play the way that they play with the players that they've got in attacking sense then they're ideal to sort of sit there and then use those players to attack teams on the break. Yeah. I, I mean, for, first of all, you've got a, a genius in charge. You know, he really is underrated. When you look at what, what he did at Fulham, he took him to a Europa League final, didn't he? And people forget about that. 
Um, they got beat in the Europa League final. Um, he's been successful all over the you know Europe, in Italy, Switzerland, and and every club he's been at. Um, have you met? And him? you look at this. Sorry, go on. Have you met him? I, I have briefly. Yeah, very quietly yeah. spoken. Um, not not for long, but very quietly spoken. He's just one of those people that you just want to listen to if he's talking because his knowledge of the game is just so vast. He was like Bobby Robson. Um, I was Steve, just do, you think, do you think that he's got he's not rated simply because people judge him on the way his his spell in charge of the England team ended, and he seems to be judged on that rather than what he's achieved before. Well, I think it's interesting because, like at Liverpool, he was judged very quickly and very harshly, mm. wasn't he? And he's, that was a spell sandwiched between Fulham, where he took them to the Europa League final, mm. and West Brom, who he took to the highest finish in, in their history. Um, and in the middle, he had like I don't know forty odd days at Liverpool or something ridiculous, and then I they got rid he of it. Well, there, I, I really enjoyed his spell in charge of Liverpool. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's it, like in the modern world, it's all about image. You know, it's all about image, and and he's an old-fashioned English bloke who just does yeah. his job properly day in day out. He will set his team up. He'll look at his players, and he will set them up and get the maximum out of them, which is what a good coach does. You know, Pep does well with what he's got. He buys the best players in the world. Roy deals with what he's got, and he gets the very best out of the players he's got. So he will set them up to maximise their individual and collective abilities. You look at the eight league games. There's only two games where a side scored more than one goal, like Tom was just saying earlier. You know, it's 0-1-1-0-0-0-1-1. So they'll be very, very difficult. They'll be very resolute. They'll play on the counter, which will be a perfect counterbalance to what Newcastle want to do. And I think it'll be a fascinating game, actually, from a tactical point of view. It might not be full of goal mouth action, but I think it will be a fascinating tactical battle for those people that like to to watch it at a deeper level. Um, And I can see them getting a result. I can see him getting a draw. Tom Bailey? Um, I want to agree, but Newcastle have been in such good form that I kind of have to default to like a 3-1 Newcastle. Um, I really want Palace to do well. Now, I'd, I'd, maybe it's the fact that Roy's come back and even after the, there was a 4-3 last year, I think, against Leicester... Or someone, but I was like, Roy's scoring goals. What's going on? I feel weird. Ever since then, I've had a weird sort of soft spot for Palace. Um, despite me not actually liking them much as a club, they just kind of exist. Um, they don't have Eze. Otherwise, I would have said they'd be more, they'd have more of a chance. But they they don't have Eze and they don't have Elise. So it's kind of written off for me as a Newcastle win, unfortunately. But um, I would love to be proven wrong. Well, next up then on the billing, uh, Tom will stick with you. It's it, it's Nottingham Forest, Luton. We've got quite a few games at, at three o'clock. One, two, three, four, five uh, on Saturday. Um, really old school, really, to have so many games on the on the three o'clock billing on Saturday. But Forest, Luton, Forest have sort of prided, them, prided themselves on their home form. So do you expect this to be a difficult afternoon for, for Luton? Um... Bearing in mind, Tom, before you answer this question... I don't know if you've been on the pod with Steve before, but bearing in mind he was former assistant manager at Luton Town, think about how you answer this question. <laughs> well, in that case, it's a 1 0 Luton. Uh, um, I think Luton just don't have the quality. And I don't like saying that because I really want Luton Steve's to on the pod. stay up. <laughs> and also because Steve's on the pod. Um, 
I think Forrest are pretty good at home as well. I do think this will be the this is my final match of the of the day. Um final uh, final. <laughs> yes, yeah, the final final. Um but I, I think it's gonna be like a one nil Forest. I think Forrest will just pepper them for a bit. Ludson will give it a go at the end, but I just I've given up tried to be optimistic for them now. It's for me it's over. They they'll go down. They'll give it a go, but I think they'll go down. So I think Forest won Luton nil. Go on then, Steve. What have you made of your old, old team so far this season? Um, again, I think Tom's spot on. They, you know, they work within their budget, and their budget doesn't facilitate buying Premier League footballers and paying them Premier League wages. So they've got the best they can get with the budget they've got, and they will try and stay in games and make it as difficult as possible for the opposition. But they haven't really got the quality to take games to teams and and win win a lot of matches at this level. I think that's the same with Burnley, and it's the same with Sheffield United. And probably this year more than ever, the three teams that have come up collectively is probably the weakest um, three new additions to the Premier League. But from my work there and knowing what it's like inside the club, they are businesslike and clever enough to prepare for relegation because they don't kid themselves. Um, so they'll give the manager every resource they can give him. Um, they'll give him all the support they can give him. They'll have realistic expectations themselves of what they can achieve. And if they win a few games this season and nick a few points and don't set any sort of records for lowest points total, etc., then they'll probably you know, wipe themselves down at the end of the season and start again if they're back in the Championship. I, I just think, again, going to Nottingham Forest, spent a lot of money, bought a lot of players in of a slightly higher standard than Luton. And, and as a result of that, you've got to expect them to win the game. So, yeah, I don't, unfortunately, I'd have to go for a Forest home win. Are you still in contact with many of the people up at Luton, Steve? Um, on and off, yeah, on and off. Um, Gary Sweet, the chief executive, terrific fella. Um, worked tirelessly behind the scenes right from the non-league days. Uh, and it's a brilliantly run club. I mean, it really is. It, it was a joy to be there, I have to say. Um, and obviously there was the, the movement when Nathan left and went off to Stoke and I stayed with Mick. Um, behind the scenes, it's so well organised and it's such a slick machine. But at the heart of it are just really, really good people. And the thing we were talking about earlier with the betting and the you know the issues around the game being all about money, there it isn't. There it's about the football club and football is at the core of not just the club, but the community as well. And they do everything in the right way. So I would love them to stay up. Um, I honestly can't see that they will, but they are a terrific group of people um, and lots of clubs should go and look at them and see how they run. Rick, a full house for Nottingham Forest? Yeah, 2-0. I, I, I like the look of the players going forward that, that Steve Cooper's got there. He's got Gibbs-White, Hudson-Odoye, Alanga and the other lad who's Scores all the goals whose name I can't pronounce. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. But they do. They they look so good going forward, and their their home form is infinitely better than their away form. And yeah, I, I can't see past a past a Forest win with that one. Well, I'll stick with you, Rick, because five thirty. It's oh. tasty, certainly on paper, with uh, Chelsea Arsenal. Um, I mentioned last week that I wondered if 
Chelsea might be one of those teams where they start to find their feet um, towards the second half of the season. We saw against Burnley that they were starting to purr, albeit we've spoken about how Burnley have sort of um, performed so far this season. Can Chelsea do anything against Arteta's team on Saturday, do you think? No. But it does depend on on Chelsea's uh, injury list, really. I think they've got so many players... Bought in, as we, we touched on this before, they bought in so many players, and yet they also. Oh, I meant to, to say to you, Rick, Mudrick scored for Ukraine yesterday. Did he? I've always rated that lad. Yeah. Anyone who says any different has not been. He's on fire this... now since you said he was the worst player in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, well, he clearly listens to the pod, and quite rightly, too. I am available for motivational uh, talks at any time, but I, I think that the. Uh, those lovable bunch of individuals, Arsenal, what a heartwarming bunch of people they are. They'll be uh, too strong for Chelsea, I think. I'd only be the odd goal in it. But um, after uh, winning the World Cup against uh, City last time out, you throw that at me, Tom Bailey, I'll throw it straight back at you with another team. Uh, yeah, Arsenal will probably uh, they'll win that one, and the celebrations will go on till at least Tuesday or Wednesday. I would have thought. Well, Bailey taking bullets for Dave Pryor since today. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't. I say was that. just think. I was just thinking that I think you've taken the brunt of my comments there. He is <laughs> Thomas Bailey, the human shield. <laughs> <laughs> go on, Tom. Then how do how do you see this one? Do you think it will just be? routine for, for Arteta and it will be seen as a big win if they were to get something? Uh, I think it's going to look worse on paper than I think it will play out. Uh, Arsenal are following the Liverpool process of we had a really exciting surprise year uh, where we sort of pushed City pretty close, scored a lot of goals but couldn't really grind out important games uh, and then the season after when we won the league we looked pretty ugly doing it but we absolutely demolished everybody I think Arsenal could be the same, except they won't win the league. Um, I've got them down for a 3-1 win. I think Chelsea, there's definitely life in the squad. Uh, the fact that they they had two important games against Burnley and Fulham, which everyone was not really sure if they were going to come through, and they won both of them, is kind of in, it's the Bournemouth point where you know they've got to win those games where Bournemouth aren't, Chelsea have. They're going into a tricky run now. They had to win those two at least, and they did it. So um, I think there's life in them. I think things are slowly coming together. So I think Chelsea could like take the lead and then Arsenal do their thing. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be closer than people think. How do you see it, Steve? Um, I think Arsenal will win, to be honest. I'm just looking here at the results. Um, they won at Palace, 1-0. You know, they won at Everton which is a place where historically they've always struggled because they've always been physically out, you know, outgunned. Um, they won at Bournemouth. So you look at their away results um, in the league and what used to be their Achilles heel was that they had a soft underbelly, but they haven't got that anymore. And, and I just think that they're, they're more advanced in terms of their setup than Chelsea. Chelsea's still trying to find it, the right shape, the right players. Um, you know, like you said, he takes so many players in. That every week it's like you just throw the names up in the air and see which ones land and the first 11 get put in the team. So I think they're working towards trying to get a, a semblance of order and shape at Chelsea. Um, and, and I think Arsenal are, are a stage ahead of them in terms of their development. So I fully expect them to go there and grind out a result. 
Um, so I think they'll probably win one nil or two nil. Not had an opportunity to ask you yet, Steve. But do you think that they're this is the year that they might actually win the big prize? Um, well, they've certainly they've bought in. You know, they've got the right players in. They're investing well. Um, I've, you know, could it be much closer than it was last year? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule them out. I wouldn't rule them out. I think the results winning away at places like Everton um, and Palace were the way that they used to throw the points away before. And and they're not doing that at the minute. So, you know, they've beaten Man City twice already this year. Beaten them once in the league and once in the community shield at the start of the season. So they obviously know they can go toe-to-toe with the best in the country um, in games that matter. So I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, if they get a fair win, then they, they could go the whole way. Finishing off Saturday, then it's the evening kickoff between Sheffield United and Man United. So, Rick, I will come to you first with this one because okay. I'd imagine it's very much the game that you want but don't want by the same token if it doesn't end up with the result that you hope. Sheffield United currently bottom of the Premier League with one point. So, they're, they're bound to win aren't at they? the I'm... time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll probably have four points by the time we've met. I do hope not. Um, United do have a habit of shooting themselves in the foot when things, games that should just be a case of turning hey, Rashford up. Looked, Rashford looked sharp on Wednesday. Hopefully, That's the goal. You know, the goal that could turn scored, it round. The goal he scored for England is the goal that he keeps trying to score for Man United, but doesn't get that shot away, where he's he's taking people on on the edge of the box and and looking to looking to bury it. So and and let Manchester United have got to be a it's got to be a happy place to be at the moment. What with the uh Qatari bid from the AI generated shake with only two photos available on the internet in from his entire life. They seem to have uh, disappeared so I don't believe he exists. So the prospect of uh, the Glazers will own less of the club, hopefully, by the time uh, that game goes ahead. So that's got to be a good thing. So, yeah, I, I think United... Oh, of course, there are two Uniteds, aren't there, Tom? I keep forgetting that. Mm. There are other teams. Other yeah. teams are allowed to be called United, aren't they? I do keep getting pulled up on that. So, of of the Uniteds, I think Manchester United will win. He said Bye. not very confidently. <laughs> Probably um, in the 98th minute or, and then there'll be a carnival or something. <laughs> Steve, what have you made of the two teams so far this season? Um, not a lot, if I'm honest. Neither of them have particularly excited me. Um, it is an iconic game, obviously, in Premier League history because the first goal in the Premier League was scored yeah. by Brian Dean, Brian Dean. Yeah. for Sheffield United against Manchester United in a 2-1 home win. Thanks so I'm going to go Steve. for the same score. 2-1 to Sheffield United. Horrible man. <laughs> Tom Bailey? I want to agree, but it's... If United were playing how we expected them to, it would be like a 4-0. But because of recency bias of them being pretty pants, um, I've only gone 2-0. Sheffield United won't win it. Uh and if they do, then, dear God, you need some help. Um, yeah, I think 2-0. Oh, 
Well, let's face it. The last time we were all confident on this pod about Sheffield United getting something, they got hit yeah. for eight against <laughs> Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Was I, I think... on that one? Was I on that one? I can't remember. <laughs> I think I would have said eight nil to Newcastle. That would have been my yeah, prediction. Yeah. To be fair, Tommy, oh. White, Tommy White said five. <laughs> Did they? Oh, five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Man United will uh, do enough. Annoyingly. Just routine. Routine win. Yeah, first half goal. Sheffield United come out. Second half, firing a bit. Onana makes a save. Unbelievable, I know. Uh, United counter it, get a second goal, and then the game's killed. So I thought we had timed this pretty much perfectly with only one game left, but I forgot that there's also a Monday night billing. So we're probably going to have to try and preview these both at the same time. Um, Steve, I'll start with you because it's Villa West Ham in the um, Claret and Blue Derby, if you will, uh, on Sunday, followed by Spurs looking to continue their good form at home to Fulham. How do you see those? Yeah, Uh, Villa West Ham, it's got to be quick, has it? It's got to be a quick one. So, oh, well, it depends Ham, if Aidy Hoppy gives t- tips me the wink or not, or oh, he's he allows the wink you to elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Villa West Ham, then. probably a two-all draw. I fancy some goals in that, and um, Tottenham will win at home against Fulham. Agree with that, Rick? Um, who's top of the Premier League? Uh, Somebody say it because it's not uh, something I ever thought I would ever hear after more than one game having been played. But Hottenham Totspur, Big Ange at uh, Al are a top, aren't they? So it feels I, dirty to say that. I know it just was wrong, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. some sort of parallel universe. Spurs, Spurs. yeah. But I think they they'll have enough. They got imagine if they were to pip Arsenal to the title. <laughs> you know, in a perverse way, I'd actually prefer that. Basically, because I would like to see Mikel Arteta spontaneously combust on the side of the. <laughs> Just the misery that he would go through if that was the result would make me happy. So yeah, I, I think they'll they'll carry on with their, with their run. They should have enough on Monday night to to beat Fulham, and uh, I, it's a going to be a cracking game on on Sunday. Not one that you would normally expect to be that that entertaining, I wouldn't have thought. But uh, it's going to be a real European clash because you you know you you you've got the, the king of the Europa League against the king of the Europa Conference, David Moyes. So I think it'll be a two-all draw. We are starting late on. Uh, I have gone for. I've slept on West Ham this year so far. Uh, so I'm going to say a West Ham win. I'm going to say 2-1. Um, and Spurs will be 4-1 because Fulham always annoy me by scoring one. So, yeah, 4-1 Spurs. OK, that's it, gentlemen. You've rattled through those ones. So um, it'll be interesting to see how you all get on over the weekend. Terribly, as always, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, Tom Bailey, uh, I'll start with you. Thank you very much. As always, uh, look forward to the football on Saturday and we'll catch up again next week. Thank you very much. Yep, looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll uh, bump into each other. Yeah, I'm sure. Beer in hand in in my perspective. Uh, Rick Hyatt, thank you very much as always. Solid predictions, I'm sure. Always a pleasure. Up the toppies. 
Steve Bretter, thank you very much, mate. You've had a little taster of the preview. I don't know what your schedule's like at the moment, but hope to have you on again soon. Thanks, pal. I, I'm going to be fretting all weekend now, just looking at the results and thinking, have I made a complete prat of myself? <laughs> Welcome to our world, Steve. Yes, I know. The pressure, <laughs> yeah. the pressure. You get used to the shame. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all we've got time for then on tonight's edition. Come on, everybody, of football. <laughs> Bloody, Bloody hell. hell. <laughs> Two faces. I feel the smoke climbing down my cheeks. I hear the jokes and I smell.